0: It is great to be here. If you have your Bibles, go to 1 Samuel uh, chapter 23, and uh, we're going to read some of this. We're going to dive. We're going to kind of hit some highlights. As you saw, as you maybe saw on the sign outside, um, our topic is just, uh, you know, what we can learn from the experience of other people's lives. And I think today as we look through this, we'll see some incredible things that we can learn from David And how he goes through life uh, uh, in pursuing God, but also being pursued by Saul and so many different things, how God uses him. But let's pray, and then we will dive into what God is doing. Lord, we are thankful today to be here. And um, Lord, it is true that we live in an unbelieving world uh, that is not always uh, open to Uh, Or friendly to the gospel, but lord, we know that when times get tough uh, And tragedy strikes and 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 people are under pressure lord that there's a great opportunity For them to turn to you jesus in in desperation Uh, So lord today as we look at your word We ask that you would fill us up with truth today. Give us Insight give us understanding give us discernment and wisdom that comes from you. Holy spirit uh, Speak to us and most of all, bless our study now. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So in, uh, in this uh, passage of Scripture, and, uh, and I'm going to take a few minutes because there could be people here that uh, didn't get a chance to go through uh, the last several weeks, few months of, of the study. So we'll kind of give a little recap to, to figure out where we are. Uh, in this, so we know in the beginning, and I'll just kind of flip through the chapters as you look at those and kind of give you a few highlights of those. But in the beginning, uh, we see Hannah uh, gives birth to Samuel, uh, which we understand, uh, you know, the uh, the story behind that of, of Hannah and her uh, longing to have a child, and God blesses her, and uh, Samuel is born. This, uh, which would become this great prophet. At the time, Eli is the king, and Eli is a bad king. Uh, he doesn't control his sons, uh, Hophni and Phinehas, and they uh, make a mockery of the Lord's house, uh, and they are, they are killed. His sons die. We can never uh, you know, escape, escape the wrath of God. Uh, we see that uh, the evil Philistines uh, capture the Ark of the Covenant, which is the very presence of God. Uh, Eli, uh, he dies, uh, and now we see that Israel asks for a king. And even though Samuel advises against this, uh, they don't listen uh, to this man of God and they, they get uh, a king, and that is Saul. Uh, Saul's son, uh, Jonathan, um, he, he brings a great victory over the Philistines. Uh, the Lord then rejects Saul as king. Uh, and then Samuel anoints David. And then we see in uh, 1 Samuel... Chapter 15, which is one of the uh, probably most, notori- most notable verses in uh, in uh, the book in First Samuel 16, verse 7. The Lord uh, looks at the outward appearance. Man looks, man looks at the outward appearance, but God looks at the heart. And uh, we see that uh, then David comes on the scene. He slays Goliath. He's gaining popularity. Uh, he is the eighth son of Jesse who they overlooked uh, in this process. And um, But we find out, you know, obviously God looks at the heart. David is best friends with Jonathan, which is Saul's son. This doesn't go over too well. Um, and there is a problem. Saul becomes jealous of David, and he tries to kill him. And David begins to flee. And this is where we kind of pick up in chapter 23. We pick up where David uh, is about to attack these Philistines once again, and Saul is pursuing him to kill him. And David hasn't done anything wrong. Uh, it's just the fact that there has been, um, you know, uh, bitterness and, and it's gone to hatred, which has gone to uh, the, the offensive of Saul to actually kill David. So let's see here as we read. Um, and we'll kind of skip. We'll kind of pick out a few verses to highlight this. So let's pick it up in uh, 1 Samuel chapter 23. Let's go in um, in verse one. When David was told, look, the Philistines are fighting against Scalia and, uh, and are looting the, the threshing floors, he inquired of the Lord, saying, shall I go and attack these Philistines? So he sees that there's this, this opportunity to go and avenge uh, and fight against the Philistines. And the Lord answers him. He asks God, he inquires of God, and the Lord answers him, go and attack the Philistines and save Kaliah. But David's men now say to him, here in Judah we are afraid. How much more than if we go to Kaliah against the Philistine forces? Once again, David inquired of the Lord and the Lord answered him, go down to Kaliah for I am to give the Philistines into your hands. So David and his men went to Kaliah, fought the Philistines and carried off their livestock. And we finished the rest of that, that they have victory there. So there's an interesting thing here. And, and we'll talk about this for a few minutes um, that happens here. The first thing is, is that we notice, the first thing that we can learn, if you're taking notes, there'll be four things. The first one that we can learn today is that David is a man of prayer and inquiring of the Lord. Now, I think that in our lives, um, this is a pretty obvious thing. Hey, we're believers and, and the decisions that we make and and, and the places that we go, and how we spend our money, and, and all these things, uh, from wherever we are in life, where we, where maybe we have young people here, where we're going to go to college one day, uh, maybe what kind of career we're going to pursue, uh, where we're going to live, all these things, every decision that we have to make, big and small, we ought to be uh, people of prayer and people that inquire of the Lord. Now It's real easy to say that. It's real easy to go, hey, we ought to pray about everything and, and seek God's direction. We go, okay, that's great. I'm going to do that. How does that really happen? How do we really do that each and every day? How do we do that when we're, we're trying to make decisions? David's got a decision to make. And the interesting thing is uh, we see kind of a little wrestle in this decision that he has to make. He, he asks God, what do I need to do? And God says, hey, go there and fight those guys. And he goes, okay. And he goes back and he tells his men... Hey, we're going to go fight those guys. And they go, I don't know if that's the right thing to do. I don't know if we ought to go down and We're already a little scared here. And we're not even in battle. We go down there. I mean, imagine how it's going to be then. So he's like, ooh, maybe I missed that one. Maybe I didn't quite hear God right. Let me go back and inquire of God again. And he goes back. And God says, listen, I told you, go and fight these guys. So he goes back to his men with a bolder confidence, knowing, oh, nope, nope, I'm sure of what I heard for here. See, there's nothing greater in our life than having that assurance, that confidence in knowing what we ought to be doing. Knowing that this decision is what God has for us. I mean, so many times we just go, well, that makes sense. I'll just go go do that. Well, this probably didn't make sense to them. It probably didn't make sense to his men. They probably were outnumbered. If you look at the scripture and you look at the stats and you do some in depth, study, you probably realize, man, these guys were outnumbered. It probably wasn't, you know, good for them. They were just coming off some battles. Maybe they needed some rest. It probably wasn't the the most common sense decision to go down there and fight. But see, sometimes God's ways don't make sense. It just doesn't add up sometimes. Wait a second. I'm supposed to give, but I'm looking at my bills and no, we just give. And then we let God work through that thing. You know, it's, it's, it's always like that. So here's the interesting thing. Uh, We know that David prays, and and prayer is obviously, you know, one of the most important things that we can do. I mean, if we were to say that, how many people think, let's just, let's take it, how many people think that prayer is important today? Yeah, man, i mean, look looking around, I mean, everybody, everybody here, man, prayer is important. What are you, what are you asking me that for? We're in church. I mean, of course we're going to say that, okay? We're in church. We know that prayer is important, and I know prayer is important, and we, we sit here, and as we begin to talk through this point you know where i'm going my prayer is so important right yeah it's so important prayer is so vital right yeah prayer is so vital inquiring of god is so important in our life and then it's like okay well how come we just don't do it enough how come our prayer life is lacking and i'm talking to myself you know i mean how come it's like that well you know why we get busy we got a lot going on, you know. It's a, I, I know I should get up early in the morning and spend some time in and, and prayer, and I ought to do this. and and But, you know, and, I, and there's times where I'm doing great on that, right? You're like, man, I feel good. It was three days last year. I was awesome. You know, it's like, man, you know, I mean, no, it, it happens, right? It does. And we want to. We, we Man, we leave here today, and right now we're like, yeah, I just want to pray more. I know I should, and I've, I've got these prayer requests, and I've got charts and journals, and I need to... And, uh, and we go watch that movie, War Room, right? Man, it's like, whoa, I gotta pray more. That was a great movie. You know, we, gotta, we, gotta, we just know that. But it's like, well, what happens? What? And I, th- I think sometimes in our life is, you know, we know that prayer is important. We know that it's extremely powerful. We know, man, I'm just not praying and, and seeking the Lord through prayer. Um, and, and it's not a way of life. And, and something that's really been uh, Im- impacted my life on prayer is um, I, I got a book a while ago, and it's called Praying Through the Tabernacle. And it's a small little book by John Corson. And it's a biblical model for effective prayer. And And I know that what happens if, if you're like me, uh, and maybe you're not, and if you're like an awesome prayer warrior, and you're just like locked in, then, then we're gonna take a time out. I'm gonna get you up here in a few minutes because I need those kind of people in my life, you know? But if you're like me, you know, I'm, I'm, and I struggle, right? And I get going and then, and then I'm starting to pray. And then like I've, like 10 minutes later, I'm like, well, I don't even remember what I just said. I mean, wh- where was I? I'm mean, going to start thinking and your mind starts going and stuff happens and, you know, and you're, you're trying to focus in, you're trying to lock in and, and things happen. But I, I got to this praying through the tabernacle and it was a great process of prayer. And it's not anything new. And I'm going to take what I want to do this morning is in, I want us to, to actually do this. So, so we're just going to take, there's, there's these eight steps of praying through the tabernacle, okay? And, and this is really, it's really powerful. So I, what instead of just going, hey, you know, pick up the book and go try to pray through the tabernacle, I thought what we'll do today is we'll just pray through the tabernacle right here. It'll be an, a, a, a time of, you know, we'll just do this. And then you'll have like this experience of, man, I, I did that and, and, this, and it kind of helped me you know, go in this direction of of praying and, and inquiring of the Lord. So let's let's look at this, and, and uh, I'm going to kind of walk through. I I keep this thing with me all the time. And I got a lot of little notes in it, and it just helps me stay through the God, uh You know, a a process of prayer. So I'm going to just kind of read a couple things, and then we'll go through some scripture, and then I'll give you a minute, 45 seconds to pray through that section, and then you can do that. So th- these are just a couple of thoughts in here, and we know this. The enemy would rather have us do just about anything than pray. So he distracts us with seemingly good things to keep us away from the best thing. Uh, Exodus chapter 25 through 40, uh, we, we learn of the tabernacle. It was this place of meeting where god 's people could offer sacrifice and prayer and where they could commune with God, so we 've got these eight steps of the tabernacle that are going to help us uh, understand now the first one is the gate, okay and the gate is uh, uh, and we, we, there's a scripture that goes with each one of them. we are to enter his gates with thanksgiving, and that's Psalm chapter one hundred verse four so they would as they were entering into uh, the the tabernacle, there was the gate, and they came through, and the gate was an opportunity to thank God for what he does, okay, and I, I got a couple notes here that I'll read, uh, 1 Thessalonians 5.18 tells us we're to give thanks in everything, Ephesians 5.20 says we're to give thanks for everything, so we want to stop for a minute, and we want to, as we're starting our process of praying through the tabernacle, we want to stop at, and as we enter through the gate, and we want to uh, have prayers of thanksgiving this was a place of thanksgiving for us to stop and thank god for what he does for what he does so right now we're just going to take a 45 seconds to a minute and you will just right there in your seat you'll just pray silently to god and you will pray uh you know some prayers back to god for what he does you know god you are all-powerful You are holding everything together. You have given life. These are the things that God does. So just take a few seconds right there and then pray those prayers and then we'll move on to the next stage. Lord, we are thankful and grateful today that you are all-powerful, holy, and mighty. And Lord, you hold everything together. You know everything. And we're thankful today that you offer us salvation through Jesus. And Lord, we're thankful today that you give us life. And we're thankful today, Lord, that you are God. I pray this in your name. The second stage of praying through the tabernacle is the courtyard, and and this is the second half of Psalm 100, verse four. And into His courts with praise. So we enter His courts with thanksgiving, and we enter His courts with praise. And and this is uh, we're praising God, um, you know, for for who He is and 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 what He's done in these two in these two scriptures. And and it says this: I praise my Father for His beauty. Uh, Purity and creativity for his mercy, his grace, his love, his faithfulness, his holiness, his kindness. Uh, remembering the nature of his father, of our father, it causes us to come to him with great confidence. Remember David, he went in there uh, and he had great confidence going back to his men because he was with God. So, so we want to take just a few minutes now to to praise in, in him. Uh, Thanksgiving, we're thanking God uh, for what he does for us and praise is for who he is to us so we, we want to be reminded of that and, and it will encourage us as we strengthen our walk with him and our love for the one who uh, we enter into his courts with praise and thanksgiving so take a few moments to do that Lord, not only do you offer salvation to us, but Father, we praise you because you are merciful and you are gracious and you are kind and loving. And Lord, you are the author of life. And today you give us opportunity to know you. So we're thankful today, Jesus. And we praise you, Father, because you alone are worthy to be praised. Amen. The third uh, stage of praying through the tabernacle, they come to the brass altar. This is a place of confession. And the progression goes from understanding, you know, what he's done for us and who he is. And now we realize how sinful we are because we come into the presence of a holy, perfect God. And we realize, man, we've sinned. And and it's important for us to, um, you know, when they looked at that, uh, that altar and that animal that would be sacrificed, this is what it says in Leviticus chapter 17, verse 11. It says, for the life of the flesh is in the blood. And I have given it to you upon the altar to make an atonement for your souls. We're reminded about how much God loves us. And, and it's not, um, we, we have to be specific. And I, I want to encourage you not to pray out loud in this, this section of, of uh, the prayer time. Um, but we want to pray back to God specific things that we need to be forgiven of. You know, not just, oh, Lord, forgive my sins. But Lord, forgive me for these words that I said to this person. Lord, forgive me for this uh, act that I did towards this person, whatever that might be. Specific sins, asking him uh, to forgive us and cleanse us uh, from all unrighteousness. Uh, That's important for us to do. So let's just take a minute uh, and, and go before the Lord in a time of confession. Father, our sins are many in your sight, Lord. You are holy. We are unholy. Lord, we need your forgiveness in our lives. Father, we come before you asking that you cleanse us, that you make us pure, Lord, in your sight, that we would, um, Lord, strive for holiness every day as you work the process of sanctification in our lives to make us more like you, Jesus. Thank you today that you shed your blood, that you took our place, that he who knew no sin became sin for us so that we could become the righteousness of God and that we're forgiven today and we can walk in victory. Help us, Lord, to to move past those things, knowing that you have forgiven us and they are gone. And, Lord, we have new life in you, Jesus, in your name. Amen. Uh, After that, they came to the, the brass laver, and this was a place of meditation. Uh, and this is a time where we would wash our lives in the word of god We'd ask god to speak to us through his word. It's not a time of real bible study It's just a time of a few scriptures. Maybe some that you have memorized Maybe some that you have that god puts on your heart uh, But john chapter 15 verse 3 says now you are clean through the word which I have spoken to you uh, so it's important for us to uh, Think about scriptures like psalm 119 verse 9 how shall A young man cleanses way, David asked, by taking heed to the word. Uh, Paul taught us uh, as a church, we're cleansed with the washing of water by the word. The brass laver is a place uh, to stop and wash ourselves in the word, reflecting on a few verses that help us in that. So whatever God is speaking to you, maybe in uh, your Bible study, you just, you know, uh, take a few minutes and ask God to wash you in the in that scripture, and, and here's the great thing about that. The Holy Spirit is always faithful to reveal to us, uh, you know, right where we are, right what we need to hear. Here's a scripture, maybe that you came up this past week or something from the past that's going to help us as we are washed in his word. So just take a few minutes to do that. Your word is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. And Father, we, Lord, we need to continually be washed in Your word, Lord. We live in a world that is, uh, like we've talked about so far, from You, God, and the influence of that has has a lot of times the world has drowned out the word in our life. So, Lord, I pray that we would constantly have Your word on our lips, and it would be we would constantly be meditating on that. And, 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 and constantly, Lord, seeking your word as our guide. And, and so, Lord, we ask now that you continue to wash us in the word, Jesus, in your name. Amen. The next step, step five, is the table of the showbread. They would get to the table of the showbread. And this would be a place where uh, the, the, the priest uh, would really uh, satisfy their own hunger with these loaves of bread that were there for them to eat. And so it's a time of, it's a place in our prayer time of petition, that we would pray um, our personal needs. Matthew six eleven, give us this day our daily bread. Uh, what is on, what is on your heart? What is something that you're going through? What are those needs? And you notice the progression here of praising God and thanking Him and confessing our sins and acknowledging His Word. Now it puts us into. It's it's incredible how you do this. I think sometimes we, when we if we just jump into this section and we don't go into those other things our prayers are so much different because they're so much more self-centered if we don't go through the process it's like oh man i need this and i need that god and my this is broken can you help me and it's like wait a second wait a second once we go through this process our heart is made more like his and we realize man you know what maybe my car it's not that bad at least i've got a car i mean i mean I mean, we can complain about things and it's like, man, we need to be more in tune with the heart of God and his word so that we come to him for these petitions. They're not just these self-centered, you know, bless me with this God prayers, but they're like, man, my heart is right to really pray through these things. Um, and, but it's okay to ask God to meet our needs. We can freely and frankly say, Father, we have needs. And it's not that he doesn't know them, uh, but we come before him and ask him and we, and we pray those things according to his will right? Not ours. I mean, the very thing that we might think exactly what we need or want might be the thing that will keep us uh, from God. So why would he want us to have that, right? He knows what is best for us. So take a few minutes now to pray at the table of showbread for those different uh, requests that you might have. Lord, you are a good, good father. Lord, nothing is too difficult for you, Lord. You own it all. Everything, every good thing, Lord, comes from you. So, Father, there is no need that is too difficult for you, Lord. And I know today there's a lot of needs, Lord. There might be people with sickness and health needs, financial burdens, uh, stress, whatever it may be, Lord, in their life direction. Um... Lord, I pray that you would meet these needs, Lord, according to your will. God, that is what you know what is best for us. And we will accept that and we will have understanding as we trust in you, Jesus. For we pray this in your name. Amen. The next step in the praying through the tabernacle is the golden candlestick. Uh, Matthew five sixteen says let your light shine before men so that they may see your good works and glorify your father Which is in heaven. This is a place of ministry the golden candlestick. It represents us taking time praying for missionaries uh and and ministries that uh and people that That we would be the light of the world and that we would share the gospel um, We understand in revelation chapter 2 and 3 that the candlestick speaks of churches and ministries uh uh, this means that when we pray, think about this. When we pray for, for other ministries and missionaries, we participate in that ministry and we will share in the reward when we stand before our Father in heaven. I mean, think about that. I and mean, you can partner today with, with ministries and missionaries in prayer. And as God works through that, part of that victory is a reward unto us when we stand before him people that we pray for, people that we provide for, those things, that's, that's us. Um, I, I met with a guy um, a few weeks ago. And, uh, you know, first priority, we're faith-based, so we, we rely on churches and people to support. And this guy said, you know, I have found in my life that I, you know, I live to give. And yeah, I've got this business and I've built this up, but God has given me that so that I can give to provide the gospel to go forth. And I was like, man, you get it. I mean, this guy gets it. It's not that he, God has blessed him with this big business so he could build and go and do all this other stuff, but it's to support the advancement of the kingdom. So I think for all of us, you know, we have, especially as we enter into, um, we pray, I think a great ministry you could pray for would be first priority, uh, or whatever God puts on your heart. Uh, You know, I think that that's um, important for us to do that. So we'll pray uh, through that right now, just whatever missionaries or, and, and you know, the incredible thing is there could be, The Holy Spirit could put a a missionary on the other side of the world right now in our heart, and it might be that they're going through some intense persecution right now. I mean, and and God's gonna use us over here on this side of the world to pray for them as they withstand opposition to the gospel, you know? I was with a friend of mine uh, at lunch the other day, and he supports um, a Christian church in Lebanon that's reaching these uh, Syrian refugees. And he got word the day before they were getting ready, he was getting ready to leave this Thursday to go there with six other men. And uh, they got word uh, last week that they, the government came in and closed them down. And they're like, man, you know, the, the, and I said, well, what's going on? He said, man, the pastor's got this great attitude. I mean, but I'm sitting there thinking, I'm thinking they could have just come in there and killed everybody too. But at least they didn't do that. They just shut down the church and locked it all up and, and it was done um grabbed all their records and computers and stuff but the pastor has this great attitude and he's like in, in extreme persecution and opposition is when the gospel expands the most and i started thinking about that i was like man you know what how come our country isn't so you know uh fired up about sharing the gospel and the spread of the gospel because we're not the heat isn't on the heat's not really on us you know our life's not on the line we're not out there in the trenches and people are you know, we're just living our life and, and it's not and I thought, man, we've gotta be praying more fervently for you know, ministries and people all over the world that sure. are that are enduring persecution for the spread of the gospel. So let's let's pray that right now. Father, we pray right now, Lord, for churches in this community that will be uh, preaching the gospel today and teaching Your Word, Lord, that there would be power here in our community, Lord. That churches would be uh, would rise up, Lord, to unite to shed, spread spread the gospel in this in this area of South Florida, Lord. There's so many lost people. We pray, Lord, for the the spread of the gospel. I pray for first priority. I pray, Lord, that You would continue to guide and direct and Use this ministry in, in a way, Lord. Give us favor and open doors in public schools, God. And, and we pray, Lord, that many students would come to know you. Father, we pray for our brothers and sisters in Christ all over the world. And, Lord, as we stop for a minute and we think about the, the in-depth call that you've put on so many people's lives. And the persecution and, the, Lord, the, the trust that they must have, Lord, in you every day. We realize, Lord, that we are not like that at times. And that, Lord, needs to be an encouragement for us, Lord, to step outside a comfort zone, to not worry about maybe what people think about us, Lord, because really our life isn't on the line. Uh, maybe people may make fun of us or joke or ridicule, but Lord, there's people right now that whose lives are on the line, and we pray that you would strengthen them. We pray, God, for your hand upon these people in parts of the world right now, Lord, where every day they wake up and their ministry could be shut down, everything could be taken away, their li- their families could be persecuted, their lives could be taken. We pray, God, right now for them that you would strengthen them, Lord Jesus, and encourage them and provide, Lord, the needs that they have, Father, in your name. Amen. The next uh, step, seven, is the altar of incense. And we know in Revelation, uh, incense really... Uh, uh, the incense really speaks of intercession. And it's a time for us to to pray for family, friends, for requests, and pray, Lord, uh, you know, too, for our enemies. You know, I think sometimes we forget to pray for those who uh, might be uh, opposing to us or in uh, persecuting us or people that we don't get along with. But it's a time to, to pray uh, through that, those things and those lists that you might have. So just spend a few minutes to pray. Uh, for your family and your friends that you have and the things that are going on there. Father, we pray that you would strengthen us, Lord, in our walk with you, as we walk through a time of prayer, that we would be uh, more diligent, more strategic, more intentional in our prayer time. Lord, In a, it doesn't have to be this process, but Lord, a process that helps us to go deeper in prayer and have a greater understanding of who you are in praying back scripture and praying through the scriptures, Lord. We do pray, Lord, for those who oppose the gospel, Lord, we pray that you would um, remove the blinders and remove the scales from their hearts, Lord, so that they would, would not be um, in opposition, but, Lord, that they would come to know you, Lord, that we would pray for people that, that Lord, in our own lives that rub us the wrong way or that we don't see eye to eye with, Lord, but that would be people of peace, Lord, because, um, Lord, we want them to see Christ in us and want them to see the love of the gospel, Lord. We pray for our families, Lord, that our families uh, would walk in your ways Lord we pray for anyone in our families that are away from you at this time that they would come back to you Jesus or if we have family members that aren't saved that they would come to know you and Lord we would be the ones that would be fervent in prayer and sharing the gospel with them Lord so we pray right now for those different things Jesus in your name Amen the final stop would be uh, step eight and that would be as they got into the holy of holies and this would be the tangible presence of God uh, an opportunity for them to really worship him and just uh, you know one one kind of closing time of prayer of you know just the worship of God after we've gone through this process of of thanking and praising and confessing and washing ourselves in the word and then praying for the gospel and missions and missionaries, and then coming through the, the uh, you know praying for those needs that we have and, and praying for our, our families and, and those who oppose us in this world, we come in and then we just we just worship God. And we just, you know, we, we remind him of who he is. And, we, and, and in that sense, it reminds us of how powerful and how mighty and how awesome God is. And, and that he's, you know, chosen us to be in Christ. And now we have this uh, call to go out there and illuminate the gospel in this dark world. So let us pray and just worship him. Father, we just worship you. We just say that you are king of kings and Lord of lords. Lord, we look around at our world and it's, there's so many things that are going on, but Lord, you are on the throne. You're in control. Nothing that's happening is catching you off guard. God, so we have complete confidence and trust in who you are and your authority, the authority of your word. So God, we thank you today. We praise you. We worship you, Jesus, because... There is no name above your name, and we want to declare that you have created all things and placed everything into existence by your spoken word. So God, we alone worship you today, Jesus, for it's in your name we pray, amen. So as we go through this first part of uh, 1 Samuel chapter 23, and we see that David inquires of the Lord, this would be, you know, how he had confidence in hearing God's voice, because he would go through a, a, a systematic time of prayer and calling out to God, and he had an intimate relationship with him. And therefore, it's a great encouragement to us as we look at his life and go, how could he have such confidence to go back to those men and say, nope, nope, we're gonna go and fight these guys because God has told us. And that's, that's, a, that's how we get bold in our walk with Christ. That's how we grow by stepping out and knowing I can trust God. Uh, he inquired not only um, in that sense, there was also a way that he would inquire through the high priest. Um, If you understand um, the ephod and how the high priest would have uh, the Urim and the Thumblin in there, and they would, uh, you know, they were either stones on there, several different ways to look at either stones on the ephod or in there, where they would inquire of, you know, asking and then pulling one out would be yes, one would be no, different colors to help them understand Uh, That way now we don't do that anymore. We don't have like this I wouldn't advise, you know, okay What does god want me to do and getting a coin out and flipping it and going? Okay If it lands heads and god wants me to do this and tails god wants me to do that That's not you know, we don't do that. Okay, we inquire of the lord through his word Uh, The the most powerful way that god speaks to us uh, Is through his word and that's why it's so important that as we pray we're praying through the scripture and we're understanding who God is and we're we we don't have to go to a high priest anymore we go to God's word right Jesus made the way so that we could go directly to God he's given us his word and as the point of salvation the holy spirit is imparted into us that gives us even greater understanding of his word so that when things don't make sense we can trust him because he is faithful and he's true so that's a great lesson that we can learn Uh, From David. Now, the second thing that we see here is not only is David this uh, man that is a man of prayer and inquires of God, and how can we do that? There's some practical things right there. And I'm not just, you know, want to say more than, hey, just go inquire of God. Hey, here's how you can do that. You can walk through this process of prayer every day, and you'll you'll be growing closer to God, and you'll have a greater understanding of Him as you go through that. But let's go down as Saul is pursuing David. Let's pick it up in verse... uh, 18. No, 16. It says this. And Saul's son, Jonathan, went to David at Heresh and helped him find strength in God. Okay? Uh, and here's what he told him. Here's what Jonathan told him. In verse 7, he said, don't be afraid. My father, Saul, will not lay a hand on you. You will be king over Israel, and I will be second to you. Even my father, Saul, knows this. So, not only is David this man of of, of pursuing after God and inquiring of him and praying and asking and having confidence. But he is surrounded by the right person telling him the right things. Okay, he's got, he's got a person in uh, Jonathan that he can trust. And the great thing is, is that his friend, look what his friend uh, does for him. It says in verse 16, his friend helped him find strength in God. His friend, find him help, strength in God. Um, I tell, uh, obviously I speak to a lot of youth, and I probably told this to Luke when he was younger. I say it all the time. If you show me your friends, I'll show you your future, right? Who we hang around has a powerful influence on our life. Um, we, you know, we, we, we get information from them. We get, I was talking with my wife this morning. We we're talking about this, you know, this whole election process. And man, it's crazy, you know. And and depending upon which, there's two channels you can watch on the news, okay? And whatever two channels you you watch, that's where you're getting your information, okay? And now here's the deal. Where they're getting their information from is what's really important, okay? And what angle they're coming from. And you can watch one of those two channels and you can have different viewpoints. And you think what they're telling you is truth. So you think these are the facts and you have to be really careful who you listen to. Who you surround yourself with. He had a friend here that I love it because it says he helped him find strength in God. The truth is, we got a lot of friends in our life that uh, when we're going through tough times or things are going on, maybe they point us in finding strength in things other than God. Uh, What you got to do, man, is you just got to go out and blow off some steam. Let's meet over here and do this and everything will be good. You you'll forget about things. Well, you might forget about things until you wake up the next morning and they're still there, right? I mean, you have to be careful who you're listening to. You have to be careful who you're surrounding yourself with. Uh, Who do we listen to? What what voices are speaking into our life? Where do they get their information from? What's their agenda? Uh, What's their goal? Uh, David has a great friend in Jonathan. Do you have a good friend? Do you have a great friend that is going to give you God's word that's going to speak truth into your life? Part of that, what, what Jonathan says to him, never came to fruition, though. He did become king, but he was, Jonathan was never able to stand next to him in second in command, because he died before that. So it was, there was this, I know this is going to happen, I know that you're going to become king, and I'm hoping that I'll get to be there with you. It's wishful, hoping, you know, I could be there with you and be your second in command. And I think that's so vital and so critical. And, you know, as we look at this life, it's like, man, this guy was a, a man of prayer. He inquired of the Lord. He, he surrounded himself with the right people that were telling him the right things. I mean, that's so important for us. Now, look at chapter 24. And we'll go quickly through this. In chapter 24, we find out now, and I'll give you a little, I'll just tell you the story, obviously, uh, to kind of go a little quicker, he is being pursued, uh, David's being pursued by Saul, and, and he finds himself at a point where uh, D- David and them are in a, a cave, and their men, him and his men are way back in there, and Saul comes in to take care of business, okay? Uh, you have to read uh, a little scripture to get a little more details, to relieve himself is what the scripture says. So he comes into the cave by himself, and his men stay outside. Now, I'm not sure if it was uh, because of what he was doing, he took off his robe or if there was so much noise and commotion outside. David has an opportunity because these men say, listen, you can't believe what's happening. Saul, God has finally given Saul into your hands. He's right up there in the front of the cave. You can go take his life. And we find out that, that David goes up there and he doesn't kill Saul, but he cuts a piece off of his robe and he comes back. And his guys are like, why didn't you kill him? I can't believe you didn't do that. And the incredible thing is, if you look in verse uh, in verse 4, 5, and 6, it says, uh, let's look in verse 5. It says, after David was, was conscious stricken for having cut off a, uh, a corner of his robe, he said to his men, the Lord forbid that I should do such a thing to my master, the Lord's anointed, or lift my hand against him, for he is the anointed of the Lord. Uh With these words, David rebuked his men and did not allow them to attack Saul. And Saul left the cave and went away. Well, here's the third thing that we find out, that David has a tremendous respect for authority. Here's what we can learn here. He has a tremendous respect for authority. Now, David is like number one on the top 10 most wanted list. I mean, he is the the, the most uh, sought after fugitive by Saul in the land. But he's also this national hero. Because of the things that he's done. He's, he's killed Goliath. He's led, uh, you know, a uh, victory against the Philistines. So we, we see that he hasn't done anything wrong, but there's this jealousy uh, that has led to bitterness and it's grown roots into hatred that he wants to kill him. But David had this respect for authority. He said, this is the king that God has anointed. Now we get into uh, a study here that I want to just go real quick. I want you to turn to Romans chapter 13. Romans chapter 13 will give us a little uh, insight to what happens here. Because you might say, just like David's, man, man, he should have, why didn't he kill him? I mean, he had not done anything wrong. He has an opportunity. He's supposed to be king one day. Why doesn't he just, this is his opportunity to take the throne. Well, look at Romans chapter 13. Now, obviously, he did not have this passage of scripture, but it was written after this time. But it gives us some insight on things right here, on submission to authority. Because... This is, this is an issue that could be very um, real. It is very real here in our country today, okay? How do we handle authority? How are we supposed to follow people if we don't agree with them or their policies? I mean, what are we gonna do here? So here's what he, uh, Paul says in Romans chapter 13, verse one. Everyone must submit, obey himself to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except that which God has established, okay? You read that, and you come to this conclusion, all authority um, is from God, okay? Now, you read that, and you're like, wait a second, I'm watching this, and I, and I love this, you know, we're going to have an election in a few weeks, and, and no matter who wins that election, God is still king, God's king, so I don't really, you know, I don't really want to get worked up about this, because God is still in control, he always has been, he always will be, Okay? So you look at this, and then the second part of this verse says, the authorities that exist have been established by God. So these leaders and these rulers should acknowledge, and I'm not saying they always do, but as a leader and as an authority, we ought to acknowledge that God is the one that has given us this platform. God has put us there. So you read on and you go, okay, what's going on? Consequently, who, who rebels against the authority is rebelling against what God has instituted, and those who do will bring um, judgment on themselves. So man, now we see that God has put all authority in place. Those leaders ought to acknowledge that. I'm not, not saying they always do. Rebellion against that authority is rebellion against God. Now, I know that we're going to put a little um, asterisk right there and we'll get back to that because there there are there's some points there that we have to go a little deeper on. And then it goes through and he talks about rulers and how they're here. And really, government is set up to... Um, to keep law government's here we shouldn't be afraid of government because government is good to uh, keep law and then you finish up therefore it is necessary to submit the authorities not only because of possible punishment but also because of conscience and and it's important for us to be law-abiding citizens because that's that's a good witness when we obey the law and we follow we're we're a good witness and we want to be that but wait there's conflict here we all know that uh Egyptian rulers they ordered the Hebrew midwives to to kill all those Israelite baby boys and they said no we're not going to do that because we fear God uh, more than what the uh than the is uh than the than the rulers and then we look back in Daniel and we see in chapter 3 we see that um King Nebuchadnezzar sets up this uh golden image and he says that when the when the horns blow everybody's to worship and Shadrach Meshach and Abednego right they say we're not going to do it and what happens in verse uh 16 it says this they replied to the king o king nebuchadnezzar daniel chapter 3 we do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter if we're thrown into the blazing furnace the god we serve is able to save us from it and he will rescue us from your hand o king but even if he does not uh, we want you to know O king that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold that you've set up so you go wait a second there's a conflict you're supposed to obey the law and follow the authority yes you are but you don't obey the law when the law doesn't obey God, okay? Let's look at this real fast in, in Acts chapter 4. Let me read this to you, okay? We see that um, the church is exploding and they're spreading the gospel. and There's a major threat by the religious leaders, by these Christians, by the way. And so they say, we got to get these guys to stop preaching, so let's call them in. And they say, listen, there's no more spreading the gospel. There's no more preaching. And, he's got, and here's, what, here's what the... Here's what the um, Here's what they say. It says, Judge for yourselves whether it's right in God's sight to obey you rather than God. For we cannot help speaking about what we have seen and what we have heard. You see, the fact that God has ordained all authority does not mean that all authority should be obeyed. It is right to resist what God has appointed in order to obey what God has commanded. Think about this. His appointment of Pharaoh, Nebuchadnezzar, Pilate, and many others may be for our testing. Think about that. It was for the testing. Will we save our lives and submit to the ruling authorities? Or will we say, like Peter and the apostles did, we must obey God rather than men and then risk our lives? Whoa. There you go. I mean, yeah, we have to obey authority, but when authority goes outside of the word of God and wants us to di- disobey him, we have to side with God every time. As Christians, we must, be the oth- must obey the authority of the government, but when the government is clearly contrary to God's word, we must obey God. That's where we are. I mean, it's happening. It's, this is the world we live in. And on the other side of the world, it's even more. It's even, you know, it's even more real to them. But we're getting there. We're getting there. Um, it's quickly becoming a reality. So the last thing, let's go quickly. The last thing that we find here in, um, in the life of David is that we can learn from, and there's so many, but the last one that we'll talk about is that he shows mercy. And, man, what the world needs is, is mercy. It needs Christians to display more mercy. He could have killed, killed Saul, but he didn't. Right? A lot of people are like, man, you should have killed that guy. He's like, no, no, no. He's God's anointed. And and I'm and I'm I'm not gonna kill him because I know that God has a plan. Because I'm in tune with him and I walk with him, and I know that his plan is not for me to kill him, but I'm going to become king one day. And he shows mercy. And see, here's the thing, merciful people, and, and this is why we need to have more mercy, is because they help those who are hurting. Merciful people are kind to those who hurt them. Merciful people are kind to of those who offend them. Merciful people are patient and give people second chances. See, David, he showed mercy to Saul. He could have killed him. Saul deserved it. He was chasing David and making life miserable for him. But David didn't do anything wrong. You see, when we show mercy, we're so much like God. Because God is merciful and God is just. And we're here today because of the mercy of God. And, and what that means is we, we really deserve to get hell but we don't get what we deserve. I mean, in everybody's mind, Saul deserved to be killed by David. Man, he just deserved it. This guy is wreaking havoc. He's right there. Just take him out. Like, no. I know that's what everybody thinks he deserves. I know that's but I'm not gonna do that. And and you see, I, I think about this. I, I look around and and our world it needs us as Christians. To share the truth and love and to realize that but by the grace and mercy of God that's us and our eyes have been enlightened by the truth of God and yes we're different and yes we have a different standard of living and we have a different we have a different uh, you know guidelines and we look at life through the lens of his word and therefore a lot of people aren't there yet so when we show mercy and love and compassion and kindness and truth and we present them with the gospel, that's so important, I I don't know about you, but I I get, I I look around, and it's like, man, you can't hardly even, and if I, if it's, if you're one of these people, I'm sorry, I'm not, I'm not, not not trying to, I don't have any specifics, but, but man, I go on, like, Facebook, and it's like, man, people are getting in these, like, uh, these uh, political wars, and I'm thinking, who's really changing anybody's mind on this, I mean, really, I mean, it just seems like it's just causing more commotion, you know, people are voting and whatever. I mean, it's just messed up. But I don't. I, I, I think that people are becoming. The church is becoming a lot more American than it is Christian. What, what do you mean by that? What do I mean by that? Is we're all of a sudden we're all worked up and we're putting all these rants about uh, uh, politics. And it's like, why don't we just get that excited about putting up Scripture? Why don't we get that, why don't we just get that excited about telling people the truth about who Jesus is and how God loves them, but instead we're going to go in there and tell people why this person's terrible and that person's terrible and you ought to, it's like people don't even, not, they don't even care, they're, they're already, they're already voting for who they're voting for probably and it's just, you know, it's in the hands of God. Let's just pray. Let's tell people, you know what, man, I don't know who you're voting for, but God loves you. You need Jesus in your life. And we get us all worked up and all worried and it's like it's okay. It's okay. Let's be people of prayer. Let's surround ourselves and listen to people that are in God's word and we can trust. And let's, you know, let's be people of mercy. Let's inquire of the Lord. Let's respect the authorities that God has given. And let's, let's be a light in this dark world. That's what the world's looking for. Uh, And I think we can learn those things from the life of David as we search this scripture today. Let's, let's do this. Let's close our eyes for a second. We've got to close out. There's still a few things, but we'll pick it up another time. I want you to think about something as you, as you sit there quietly for a second. We spend some time in prayer, and we walk through the tabernacle, and hopefully that was something that you say, man, I can, I can use that. I, I need to have a better outline for prayer. And God, help me to be more passionate in prayer. We look, at the, we look at who David surrounded himself with and maybe it's an opportunity for you to say, man, who, who's speaking into my life? Who's listening to me? Who am I listening to? Is there people that, man, I'm getting, I'm getting bad information from these people. They're not coming from the same, you know, source, God's word that I need people to come from that are gonna speak into me. Maybe you gotta make an adjustment there. Maybe you check your own attitude and you say, "Man, I've got a bad I've got a, a bad attitude. I'm not really respecting authority. And I've got to trust that God's in control. He's going to work. And it, his way might not seem it may not seem like it makes sense, but he's got a way. When you think about salvation, the way to God, it doesn't really make sense. It should be about us doing good. It should be about us being better. It should be about us cleaning up our lives, but it's not. It's about what he did on the cross for us. He died a cruel, undeserving death. Three days later, he rose from the dead. He walked on this earth. He ascended into heaven where he's seated at the right hand of the day, and the right hand of God today, and he says, you can be saved. You can have forgiveness if you'll just believe. If You'll put your faith in Jesus, wow, that's mercy, you and I, we deserve to go to hell, because we've sinned, we haven't just sinned once, which is enough, we've sinned a lot, and we've, we've broken that fellowship, and that relationship, and, but God has restored it through Jesus, He says, just as I've poured out my mercy on you, go into this world and be agents of grace and mercy, preaching the gospel. Just pray about a few of those things. and what, Where's God landing on you? There's a lot there. Three weeks ago, I walked into that Marlins locker room and I realized that There was a guy that I had known for four years, talked to him several times, and I didn't know if he knew Jesus. And I said, man, you know what? I'm not going to let that happen again. So I'm here in this room today with a couple hundred people, and I don't know where you're at, but listen, we have all intentions of leaving here today and driving home or driving to lunch and waking up tomorrow and going to work, but that might not be the plan. Our life could be taken today. And if it is, do you know for certain that you're going to heaven? Do you know that you have asked Jesus to forgive you of your sins, to come into your life and to be the savior and the Lord of your life? And now he is the authority. Have you done that? If not, man, do it today. Do it today. Lord Jesus we love you we're thankful for this time we ask now Lord that you just have your way in our lives and I pray Lord if there's anybody here today that says I need Jesus in my life I need to be forgiven of my sins I need to be saved I pray right now if that's you today say man I need Jesus in my life just raise your hand right where you're at anybody here today just hold your hand up high say man I need Jesus in my life I need to I need to be saved anybody anybody here today say man I need I need to get more focused on prayer and inquiring God and I need that in my life would you pray for me today Chris would you pray just slip your hand up and say man that's me I just I just want to get that going amen thank you thank you thank you maybe you say man I've got to, Bad attitude towards authority right now. And I need to have a respect for authority. I need to trust God. Lord, we just, we know that we're not perfect, Father. We're on this journey. We're striving for holiness. We're we're constantly in your word. We're trying to be in your word. We're, We're trying to be in prayer. We let the world choke that stuff out sometimes. God, renew us today. Give us a new fire, a new passion to spread the gospel, to be in touch with you, to, to Lord, not just think we know the way, but, Lord, trust in you for the way to go. We pray for our world today that people would come to know you, that the world, Lord, would, would, would turn and repent. And there would be a great spiritual awakening people would turn to you Jesus and we could see that happen in our lifetime we could see that happen in our families and in our communities um, we ask you to do that but Jesus as we close out we just thank you for your great love for us we're thankful for this church and for uh, the opportunity to gather in your name today Jesus uh, we love you father and we pray this in your name